Leading Edge Medicine provides only general medical information. Since everyone's individual situation is unique, you should consult your own physician before taking any action related to your personal health. All content of this program is intended for general informational purposes only. Good morning and welcome to Leading Edge Medicine with Dr. Jerry Mixon and Dr. Samira Umet. Leading Edge Medicine is sponsored by Longevity Medical Clinics and is devoted to helping you feel and function better tomorrow than you do today. By providing the newest and most advanced medical care designed to improve both your body and your brain, Leading Edge Medicine will keep you informed regarding the very latest developments in science and medicine while highlighting some of the Northwest's most prominent physicians, all while helping you separate the science from the silly and the facts from the fiction. This is live call-in radio at its very best, giving you the opportunity to participate in the show. And now, here are your hosts for Leading Edge Medicine, Dr. Jerry Mixon and Dr. Samira Umat, along with their co-host, Lynette Morgan. And a very good morning to you. Oh, it is cold out there. Oh, boy, is it cold out there. What happened to our spring? Yes. We've been robbed. Yeah, well, well, that's not for another, you know, three weeks and four oh. days, if you're counting like me. Is one microphone on, or is it just my, my headphones are oh, not working? Oh, yeah, let's, oh. let's turn your headphones up just a little bit more, Doctor. There let's we go. Let's see. No, well, the oh. headphone switch is over here. Yeah. Okay, let's see. If there, oh, yes. Now, oh, now yes. I can hear myself speak. All right. Oh. All right. Well, Leading Edge Medicine here in the studio this morning on the very last weekend of February. February, yes. February, <laughs> and uh, Dr. Jerry Mixon in the studio. Dr. Umat is off this weekend, and we have Dr. Michael Gilbert. Good here. morning. Yes, Good from morning. Northwest Vision Institute. So all things eyes and eye related. You yep. can uh, yeah, save those I'm, questions for I'm Dr. Gilbert. I'm here for the uh, for the general medicine and aging stuff, and Michael is here for the eyes. And I'm the levity, right? Is that what <laughs> I am? The, uh, the... <laughs> um, well, I have an eye thing this morning, if I may. It was such a spectacular, if cold, a spectacular morning. But because of the cold, we have a view of the Olympics. And I was trying, on my drive up, I was trying to get a peek at the Cascades. But as you look at the Olympics this morning, there's an interesting uh, phenomenon called a superior mirage, you know about this, where there is, um, when there's a, a, a thermal inversion where their cold layer is as cold as it is, it changes the optics looking at distance, and it actually causes some magnification and sometimes some elevation, so some things can appear to hover in the distance. But in particular, the mountains can look magnified and just spectacular, as they were both yesterday morning and today. Oh, boy. Ah. Oh, boy. We'll take it. Just spectacular. So there's a mirage for you, for those who can go take a peek out at the mountains. Yes, get up and go look out that window right now. But don't run outside. Don't, yeah, no. Put on your mucklucks. I I know, I actually (laughs) wore a jacket. I usually carry it in, you know, or leave it in the car. I always have it just in case. I reached for my leather and I said, no. No. (laughs) We'll do the down. We need the down. We need the puffer today. So, and even a scarf I haven't taken off. So, uh, Dr. Gilbert, Dr. Mixon. I'm Lynette in the studio. Welcome to Leading Edge Medicine. I'm going to give you that phone call, uh, that phone number, so you can make that phone call and be one of the first ones on the line with your questions this morning. 800 
800-465-8770 is the number. That's 800-465-8770. Okay, so, Dr. Mixon. Shall we catch us up on what's going on in the medical world today? Yes, and I have a question for you. Okay. Norovirus. What about norovirus? My husband has had it for a week, and now we know what it is. And it's because my youngest youngest daughter said, "Yeah, I had this." I used to think it just was was cruise ships, right? Wasn't it cruise ships? Cruise ships and nursing homes. Yeah. Oh, and uh, suddenly it's uh, struck the grandkids, and therefore it strikes it strikes the grandparents, and it's hitting the schools. Yeah. Ah, yes. The grandkids started it, and then all of the aunts, the uncles, the mom and dad, and then my husband. And so I'm glad to be here. He's at home. All right. So let's find out what this is. It's just a gastrointestinal. We used to call it the stomach flu. Ah. Uh, it's a flu-like symptom characterized mostly by nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, abdominal cramping. All Pretty the miserable. Fun stuff. Yeah. Usually, though, only about 24 to 36 hours. It doesn't usually last a long time unless you've got some immune suppressive situation where it can stretch out a week or more. So, um, not quite sure why your hubby is still under the weather yeah, after a week. That's that's unusual. Monday, and he had the headaches, and he's a he's a transit operator, and was feeling dizzy. It's like, yeah, I shouldn't be driving a bus with fifty people in there. <laughs> so he came home, and Tuesday and Wednesday were the worst. Yeah, and he luckily his day off was yesterday, but he was still ooh, ooh. Mm-hmm. so yeah. Well, and of course, COVID. According to Mr. Biden, we are still in a COVID emergency. However. Oh. Uh, as I'm looking at the numbers, they are the lowest they have been since uh, June of 2021. I mean, they are they are tiny, tiny, tiny. So okay. about the only people getting seriously ill from COVID these days are uh, immunosuppressed, morbidly obese, extremely elderly in nursing homes that are close to death. It can kind of push them over the edge. But for anybody healthy enough to walk on the streets... It's pretty much of a non-factor right now. Okay. Although I still see people driving alone in their cars wearing their masks. Oh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, my or, wife refers Or walking to, outside with their masks yes, on. With their oh, mask yes, yeah. I go, I'm out on the, the trail, and I see people, you know, they're 150 feet from any other human being wearing their masks and goggles. I saw a lady oh, yesterday, masks and goggles to keep it out of her eyes. Um, yeah, my wife refers to those as Democrats. But... <laughs> You have really converted that woman. (laughs) Actually, I I have not, but America converted her. That's amazing. Uh, When she came to America from China, she totally apolitical, you know, because politics is dangerous in a one-party state like China. And so she never, ever, ever made any political comment of any kind. She just avoided it assiduously. And and whenever she got her ballot for voting, she'd simply not even open. She'd hand it to me and say, you fill it out, I'll sign it. (laughs) (laughs) But in 2016, that all changed. Mm. I came home from work one day and she greeted me at the front door and she said, I don't know who you're voting for, but I'm voting for Trump. (laughs) And she has been... The conversion. Uh, it really was, yeah. And, uh, yep. But, you know, she loves this country. She loves freedom. Mm. And her appeal to him, you know, was just the fact that she, she said, I get the feeling he's 
telling me what he really thinks instead of what he thinks I want to hear. Yeah. Yes, he does have that. He has that. Yes. You know? I mean, yeah, he is an egocentric blowhard. Mm-hmm. Who, he can be harsh at times, but boy, who, if he thinks that he says it. Who is the master know. of the mean treat, t- oh. tweet, you know? Yes. I mean, there were times uh, I, I had an urge to break both of his thumbs so he'd quit tweeting. But uh, <laughs> if he had any sense. <laughs> but policy over over personality. Yes, mm-hmm. and that's the point. Yes. When I'm voting for a, a politician, when I'm voting for someone to hold public office, I presume that they fit my my primary view of politics, and that is people who want to run their own lives stay home and do so. Mm-hmm. People with an urge to run other people's lives seek public office. The left wants to run my life in one way. The right wants to run my life in a different way. What they have in common is they all think they're better qualified to run my life than I am. Hmm. <clears throat> and so, you know, and so I just kind of, I, I view all politicians of all parties through that somewhat skeptical lens. But I'm looking for people that at least make the right sounds so that I can see what they actually do. You know, and the most important thing is not what they tell me. It's what have I seen them do in the past? Mm-hmm. You know, with Trump, we had no idea what he had was going to do. He had, he had donated to Democrats and Republicans both. Of course, he had been involved in the real estate game in New York City, which meant that he was a wheeler. He had to pay dealer. off everyone. Yes, that's right. <laughs> he paid off everybody he had to pay off because otherwise you don't work in New York of City. Of course, there you go. You know? um, so I knew that he was a bit of an unprincipled scoundrel uh, because he was successful. Because in he was New successful York. in New York City. Yeah, you right. don't get successful in New York City unless you're an unprincipled scoundrel. But I had no idea what he would do in. Right. In politics, in, in public office. So I was very skeptical. He was not my first, second, or even third choice. Uh, my wife came out for him, bang. But me, I, you know, my first choice was um, uh, Carly Fiorina, um, a woman CEO, business executive, who had, was a breast cancer survivor. Mm. You know, and my thought was, let's let's see Mrs. Clinton use pull the woman card against a female breast cancer survivor. (laughs) I just like to have seen that debate. But, you know, most people disagreed with me. So she wasn't next. And, Mm. you know, so then my next one was Dr. Ben Carson. I said, neurosurgeon, extremely bright fellow, successful, you know, brilliant. Um, So, yeah, he'll he'll be my next choice. And. And then uh, he got on the debate stage, and he he was asked about his foreign policy and and you know his uh, preparations for for wars in the Middle East. And his answer was, "Well, I don't really know. I'll have to consult with a general about that." And I thought, "No, sir. You know, you are you're running for president. Uh, I expect you to have your policies well mapped out in advance. I don't want to hear on the debate stage that you have to go ask somebody." Uh, so that knocked him out of my running. Okay. <laughs> and then I thought, well, God, who do I have left? You know? And so then I said, do I, do I take another Bush? Huh. Uh, no. And, but then, you know, who's the fellow from Texas? Um, uh, Cruz. Cruz. Yeah, yeah, Ted Cruz. And there was just something about Ted Cruz that every time I heard his voice, I wanted to slap him. Uh, <laughs> Well, uh, he, he brings out the bully in me oh, for some dear. reason, and uh, you know, 
That's why we keep the door over here open. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. you know, and then finally, I guess she fell out. The only person left was, you know, was the Donald. Um, the Donald. <laughs> because yes. I'm got, hoping we have new, richer choices. <laughs> I, yes. Well, I've got several that that I'm intrigued by this time around. Mm. Uh, you uh-huh. know, so, and you know, I, and I think the Donald's day has passed. I think so too. Um, and and I, I think his policies would be fine as they as they were last time. But but he is carrying so much baggage. The package just doesn't. No. Mm. And there are, we we have people that can give us the mega policies without the mega baggage. And so he started the movement. Right. But it's time for someone else to pick it up and carry it forward. Absolutely. So at least that's my my personal opinion. Um, but no, I, I never had a temptation to vote for Ms. Clinton. I devoted for a one-eyed yellow dog with mange before I voted for her. <laughs> so you know, were they uh, running? I, I think in one of the southern states there may have been a, a you know, governor. Wasn't, wasn't that right in? I that. think that was right in. That must yeah. have been. Yeah. Anyway. Oh. So. <laughs> Have we strayed from medicine this morning? <laughs> I don't think so. Well, we did say somewhat. mange. Boy, it's hard to bring this yeah, we, ship we, we, back. That's right. do do that? I don't well, even think I could do that, but okay, I'll try. But, well, let me take it back. There. Okay. And, and this is actually a study that I came across oh. this week and involved vision. Oh, thank you Since very much. I have you here today. Yes. Um, 325,000 people. Whoa. <laughs> this is not a study. This is population. Okay. That's okay. Right. In, in China. Okay. And they were looking at myopia, nearsightedness. Yes. For those of you out there who don't know this what This is really is. important. Yeah. Uh, in, and especially in the Asian community. Especially communities. in the Asian community. And they were looking at myopia in six, seven, and eight-year-old children, which is that functional time when the eyes are developing, changing changing a lot. And they looked at the rates of myopia prior to the lockdowns. And of course, in China, they had draconian lockdowns. I mean, they made New York City look... Absolutely warm and fuzzy. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, they, they literally sent people out and bolted your doors shut, even right. if you welded, died. Welded yes. buildings wow. closed. Yes. This is... You know, I mean, in, a, in an apartment building with Entombment. Yeah, with 300 people, they would allow one person per floor to leave the building for one hour a day to get groceries for everybody on their floor. Oh, boy. I mean, that was the degree of lockdown they had. <laughs> okay. Wow. okay. So so they were comparing vision in children, incidence of nearsightedness before and then during the lockdown, mm. immediately after when they could come out and get checked. And then they've been checking it since when the lockdowns were released. And what they found, as we might have expected, that when children were locked up indoors and could not even see outside, so their vision had to focus close all the mm. time they indeed had higher rates of myopia. Wow. But it has to do with both. Yeah, and, and this, the U.S. Uh, data, not quite the size of that. That N is remarkable, hundreds of thousands. Uh, but we have the same data here that both being outside and the distance target, so play outside, mm-hmm. makes a big difference in uh, myopia progression. Yeah, you know, when we're on our, our road trips, we allow Ivory to look at her, her books and her uh, her readers, her electronic readers, for one hour, and then we make her turn them off and look outside ah, for the next go. hour. That's good. And we we alternate so that she gets 
some distant vision because she's already myopic. I'm myopic. My my wife is myopic. The poor kid was doomed by genetics to be nearsighted. So we want to modify that as much as we can. And it's really important to modify it in insofar as we can because that myopia that starts in youth and progresses leads to a pathologic uh, uh, underlying of uh, a glaucoma, um, a macular degeneration, and other uh, risk, retinal detachment, all of those. And fortunately, we've got some treatments beyond just sending kids outside, including some drops that can be used, and also contact lenses now. For the oh, first for time, kids. just within the last six months, there's now an FDA-approved contact lens for kids that can slow the progression in nearsightedness. All right. The music says that we have to stop and take a commercial, but we'll be back in just a couple of minutes, and hopefully we'll be ready to take a few phone calls. Absolutely. Otherwise, I'm going to yammer on. Oh, no, and we've got a few on the line already. 800-465-8770. We'll be right back with Leading Edge Medicine with Dr. Gilbert and Dr. Mixon in just a moment. Aging gracefully is a terrible option. Learn to live to your fullest potential. It's a lot more fun. Call with your question at 1-800-465-8770. That's 800-465-8770. Stay tuned for more. Is chronic pain beginning to make your everyday life a challenge? Then consider the only doctor with over 30 years of experience in pain medicine techniques, including stem cell therapy. That's Dr. Daniel Nelson, MD, with Eastside Pain and Regenerative Medicine. Here's what a satisfied patient had to say. Yeah, I started about like a year and a half ago. Uh, I started having some sharp pain in my left hip. It's getting tough to climb upstairs, uh, tough to play with the kids. Everybody was kind of pointing towards the same thing of, you know, you had to get a hip replacement. And Dr. Nelson's great about saying, hey, you know, there's there's different types of medicine out there that we can help fix this without surgery. Six to eight weeks later, you start to realize like, oh, I, I can climb a stair. It was really actually kind of great after that eight-week mark. Like, oh, I can start doing things. So definitely see the results pretty quick. Don't let pain take control of your life. Consider stem cell therapy with Dr. Daniel Nelson, MD. 425-823-4000. That's 425-823-4000. Or you can find Dr. Daniel Nelson online at DanielNelsonMD.com. I think it's a wonderful thing. not a reacting after the problems it's trying to prevent the problems from happening in the first place and the, the thing i like the most about everything that i've learned is it all makes very logical and intuitive sense primrose lane life's a holiday on primrose lane just a holiday on primrose lane And we're back. It's Leading Edge Medicine, Dr. Jerry Mixon here in the studio. Dr. Michael Gilbert, my doctor, your doctor. My doctor. Yes, Northwest Vision Institute. And we're going to just dive right in. We have somebody that would like to talk about implanted lens dislocation. Yes, that sounds kind of scary. Fred is on line one from Marysville. Good morning, Fred. Hello, Fred. Good morning, Fred. Hello. Hi. Um, Yep, uh, I went in for my uh, checkup, and um, the doctor said that um, that 
I'm, my lens is in danger of falling into the interior of my eye mm-hmm. in the near future or the future. And I didn't pay much attention. But then when I got to thinking about it, I thought, well, you know, it could be kind of serious. So anyways, I thought <laughs> I'd give you a call and see what you can um, shed some light on it about, you know, like what what do I do? What do I look for? What happens when it does fall in there? Why is it falling in there? And, do you have uh, any? Just give me some. Do you have any visual symptoms at all, friend? Not right now. Nothing. Nothing. He, so it's I, uh, my eye surgeon, and he, you know, he put the old microscope up there and all that stuff. And he, for the last two years, he says you're going to have problems in the future of that happening. Okay, so. Um, Certainly, the the lens is um, uh, is implanted in the eye, and we use in order to hold it in place. We use the natural anatomy to do that. Um, so there is a um, a capsule that holds the natural lens. We shuck out the um, the failing lens, put in a new one, and it's held there by a capsule that goes 360 degrees around and is held by millions of microfibers that connect it to the focusing muscle of the eye. And um, and so dislocation can happen. It can happen from trauma. It can happen from uh, from some genetic uh, weaknesses of some of those membranes. Um, it can happen if there is a weakness in the capsule itself and the lens slides. So we could have dislocation from the lens moving within that bag that should be holding it. It could be dislocating because the whole suspensory structure has weakened its attachment to the eye and that structure is moving. And again, that can be, that part is genetic, some is traumatic, uh, some can just be a weakness of the tissue. Uh, this happening is very uncommon, very uncommon. Coincidentally, I did a, um, I repaired a dislocation just yesterday and uh, fortune or thursday sorry and and depending on what actually is dislocating which is to say is it the lens within that structure or is it the whole structure itself that should be holding it will determine how how serious the surgery is um the uh and i sense from your question what should i look for to know if it's dropped i think if it's at risk for dropping i'd have it fixed early not late it's much easier to, uh, to to make some modification to support it while it's in its uncertain, stable, uh, unst- possibly unstable state. The fact that it hasn't bothered you in your vision is a good sign. Uh, but if he's concerned that it could drop, it becomes a much more involved surgery to to take it you know once it's dropped then you have to go into the eye do a vitrectomy take out all the gel in the back of the eye it becomes a much more involved surgery so i think i if he's you know second opinion isn't a bad idea but if he's concerned that it's going to drop then uh, taking action early is better than than waiting but i have a question okay. when when he told you that this was was a risk did he offer you any plan for fixing it? Did he offer to no, say? No, he didn't. Uh, that's, oh. that's unusual. So he said that uh, he said that if that happened, he said I might have to go to a retina doctor. 
Right. If it sinks, then it sounds to me like maybe uh, the whole the whole um, uh, suspensory uh, mechanism may be weak, and that can happen. It's more common in the Scandinavian community. Uh, there's just some um, some inherited conditions that make that uh, that whole structure. I'm, I'm Scandinavian. Yeah, so that could be could be what's going on. Uh, it often can uh, be associated with a form of glaucoma. I would suggest that you get a second opinion uh, and have somebody else take a look at it and tell you, you know, is this something that they could fix that should be fixed? Uh, you know, I, my general philosophy, and I'm not the eye guy, obviously, but my general philosophy is it's much easier to prevent problems than it is to fix them after they happen. And, you know, I, I would take to heart Dr. Gilbert's comment about it's easier to to buttress and and do some repair work before it falls, and then instead of after it's already collapsed. So right, it's a much more involved surgery to go back, take out all of the gel in the back of the eye, try and elevate that lens and put it put something back in its place. Um, so it probably, yeah, he said he said that uh, he said that a lot of a lot of times they just leave the lens in there. Um, while I have seen that done, uh, I wouldn't have said a lot of times. Generally, it's removed if it's floating right. around there. Mm. Okay. Okay. Second okay. opinion may be the okay. the thing yep. to do. Yes. Yeah, this, this, this sounds like a second and even third opinion. Yeah. It wouldn't <laughs> so, be a bad idea. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your help. Yes, I sure sir. appreciate it. Uh, take care. Very sir. good. Thank, Thank you, you for the Fred. call. Now, what would be some things to watch out for for well, that? So, for people listening and going, you know, oh, if what do I watch? For? Signs of it dislocating. What would what might one see if it is at risk of dislocating? Well, one thing, if that whole suspensory uh, mechanism is weak, the the lens can move just a little bit. When you move your eye, it's not firmly attached the eye so you get a little bit of shimmering of the image right okay. in one eye as you move your eye it just doesn't quite you know it's not locked into the uh -huh. eye not it's, tracking it's, it's well. just kind of suspended there with weak attachment so you might see a little bit of um, uh, shimmering of not shimmering in terms of light but sh uh, shaking or subtle movements uh, with the image that you're looking at or if the lens usually when we say dislocating we mean it's outside of center Okay. So most commonly what would happen is you'd be looking through part of the lens and part of your vision would be coming from around the lens. So if it dislocates, usually that's down because of gravity, then you've got a, let's just say 20% of your vision is going over the lens and 80% is going through the lens. So you get halos around lights or blurry areas. This would become worse at night. Mm. Because your pupil gets bigger. Ah, okay. So that percentage, depending on where it's dislocated, that percentage may increase greatly at night. In fact, sometimes, if it's dislocated just a little bit, you may have no symptoms during the day because the pupil's small enough it's 100% in the implant. But then as the eye dilates at night, you're seeing, you know, 25% around the lens and 75% through the lens. So hmm. night driving 
becomes a problem where day driving is not. Okay. Okay. How about pain? Would you no, feel pain? Zero. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. It's all visual. Because that whole mechanism that suspends the lens has no sensory nerve fibers. Okay. None. All right. So you get clocked in the eye and it knocks the lens loose. Um, your eye hurts, but nothing from that lens, nothing from the whole mechanism that suspends the lens. Okay. Very good. Hey, look at that. We have another caller on the line. It's not eye-related, I don't think, but we're going to take this call in just a moment. Uh, If you have a call, uh, you have a question for Dr. Michael Gilbert or Dr. Jerry Mixon, here is the number to get through. The phone lines are open for you, and you can be one of our first callers on the show today. 800-465-8770. That's 800-465-8770. We're going to quickly go to a break right now, and then we'll be back with our next question on leading edge medicine. All right, stay right there. Leading edge medicine. Listen to past programs by going to lmclinic.com. Call in now at 1-800-465-8770. That's 800-465-8770. Pete Talbot here again for a good friend of mine, Dr. Michael Gilbert of Northwest Vision Institute in Bellevue and Kirkland. My wife Vicki and I have been seeing him for over 20 years. But most importantly, Michael and his entire medical team are simply amazing, offering what virtually no other clinics offer, an advanced ocular exam. Honestly, it's like Dr. McCoy on Star Trek compared to the typical eye exam you're used to. For nearly 40 years now, I've been researching and interviewing physicians throughout the country, and I can tell you whether it's LASIK, RLE, refractive cataract surgery, retina, or dry eye problems, without question. Dr. Gilbert and all the doctors at Northwest Vision Institute are some of the most advanced in the Pacific Northwest. To schedule your advanced ocular exam, go to end nwvision.com nwvision.com or you can call 425-450-2020 425-450-2020 I finally went and took that free test and it didn't hurt I went ahead and and uh, moved forward with uh, genetic testing and inflammatory markers and stuff like that so I'm encouraged to see what those results are so how would this work for my father at 80 years old and we're back. It's Leading Edge Medicine. My name is Lynette here, along with two wonderful doctors here on Leading Edge Medicine today. Dr. Jerry Mixon and Dr. Michael Gilbert of Northwest Vision Institute. Last week, we put up the bat signal for Dr. Gilbert. And so uh, he answered. Yes, Dr. Samira is off this weekend. So uh, we invited him in. So thank you for. for Oh, my pleasure. Let's talk about the eyes today. If you have specific questions. 
questions. We want to talk to you. Uh, or another medical question. Yeah. Dr. Mixon is I'm, here. I'm open for the rest of the body. There you go. Yes. <laughs> okay, so let's go to Bill in Olympia. He may have just that question for you. Okay. Hello, Hi. Bill. Hi there, Bill. Good morning. Am I Hi on? there, Bill. You bet. Yes, you are on the air. Oh, yeah. Good. Okay. Uh, sorry. My apologies for not having an eye question. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's okay. okay. <laughs> I like to have something I'm to do long- here, too, so it works out all right. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm a long-term Carillon Point uh, client. Oh, okay. So you've been with us for over 20 years. Yeah. Awesome. Yes. Right. I'm 82. I'm in good shape. Uh, I get real nervous and start talking too much and too loud, so don't feel <laughs> that I'll be embarrassed if you tell me to shut up. All right. Okay. This is a question about PSA. Uh-huh. Okay. I have a high PSA. I did. We just did a, uh, a test on January. At the end uh-huh. of January, and my PSA came up 7.5. I have a history of high PSA over c- going clear back to 2006. Okay. I had a TERP in late 2016. The biopsy came out, was all clear. Okay. I had a biopsy in uh, early 2018. It came out clear, and they specifically went after where some of the nodules were. All right. Uh, <clears throat> and then, like I said, on, on the the end of January, I had another PSA run, and that came up to 7.5, 7.15, uh, 7.5, excuse me. Right. And that resulted in me having an MRI. Good. That was done in February, and they discovered, as I expected, there were two uh, lesions. Uh-huh. And so right away, they scheduled me to have a, a biopsy, and that's going to happen on the 14th of June. That's That's not right away, but that's what it is my question is that they told me they want me to stop testosterone which i'm not in favor of Uh and uh, i'm I'm wondering is there some way that i can really i take a fairly low dose right now really cut it down and say don't take it for four or five days and then maybe take it for a day or two Uh, i just cut the dose a bit to the range where you're usually shooting for is a free testosterone between about 150, 180. Uh, that's a robust young man's level. Most men in their 80s are going to run a testosterone closer to uh, 60, <laughs> 50 or 60. Uh, so, you know, maybe we'd want to drop you down a little bit. But here's the problem. Prostate cancer occurs equally in men with high and low testosterone. Men with very low testosterone tend to get more aggressive tumors that are more likely to kill them. Men with high testosterone get tumors at the same rate, but their tumors tend, as a group, to be more indolent. Um, And at your age... Unless the biopsy showed a, a genome that put it at very high risk of rapidly growing, um, I'd be very conservative in the theory, in the in the treatment. Uh, okay. Simply because frequently the treatment does more damage than the tumor. I'd want to get a piece of it, send it to the lab, have them read the geno- the genetics of that particular tumor. But statistically, 93% of the time, 
you can sit, if, if people have a low-grade prostate cancer, that is a Gleason 6 or 7 cancer, cause you any problems, okay? You're already 80. That would get you to 95, <laughs> okay? Our well, worry that, is... That would work. Yeah. Our worry is that other 7%. 7% of the time, you know, we we, we get a really nasty tumor that's going to grow rapidly and cause you some significant grief. So I don't want to make you too miserable. Yeah. Um, and at your age, dropping your testosterone too low is going to make you pretty miserable. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when when we take testosterone away from a man of your age, depression becomes a very, very common uh, situation. Clinical depression, fatigue, lack of motivation, stress, anxiety. Uh, the Testosterone is a very potent uh, neurotransmitter. It has a vast impact on how we feel and how we perceive the world around us and, and ourselves. And in the, quote, normal state of affairs, yours would be on the floor. Mm. And so I, you know, I hesitate to kick it down too low when I know that the the risks of leaving it up for a couple of months are pretty minimal. But that said, let me let me run back and ask you a different question. What was your PSA one year ago? A PSA one year ago was, uh, I have it right here, it was 6.2. Okay. So it's it's actually then about a 15, 17% rise. Okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> a PSA that doubles in less than a year is a bad prognostic sign. That's usually a sign that you've got a tumor that's rapidly growing. A 17, 17% rise is not terribly worrisome. Okay. Can I ask this question? I, I'm on a PSA watch. They do it every, you know, six months for sure, and sometimes on a Good. quarter basis. But on mm-hmm. October 22nd, I was 6.17, and on 130 of this year, I was 7.5. Okay, so that's a fairly so, rapid rise. Okay. Yes. Because that's that's only three months. All right. And my PSA free is now at 8.3. Uh, and my uh, free PSA is at 0.62. But okay. I've had, I've had, you know, on, on back if you go back and look on all my charts, clear back to 2006 was the first, you know, where I really spiked. Because I've, I've had prostatitis, is that right? Prostatitis, yes. But I've had it, yeah, because I've always, you know, strained myself or done something silly. Uh, mm-hmm. But I've had a high, like say, my prostate has been over the four point thing since since uh, two thousand nine for yeah. sure, solid. Sure, and you know, for people that don't understand, the, the prostate is a gland that's designed to provide sugars and nutrients and enzymes to keep sperm alive for up to three days after you have intercourse. And so it's to keep those sperm growing and, and active while they're waiting for an egg to come down the fallopian tube so they can get it. Um, and as such, it is a perfect place for infections. Bacteria and viruses grow in the prostate with wild abandon. And so prostatitis, that is an infection of the prostate, is very common. 
And it is the most common reason for a rise in PSA. Anything that increases inflammation or metabolic activity in the prostate is going to raise your PSA. Okay. Cancer can yeah. also raise it because cancer is a metabolically increased activity tissue. But in your situation, I'm... Would, would be in, my, being very, very active, say, in the last six to eight months, I, I, have, a, I have a really bad back and so on, but I've been very, very active in, in getting my core muscles tightened up. Uh-huh. And that's where that's where I heard before you know playing racquetball or handball or something like that. Yeah. I ended up hurt myself. I haven't seen any studies indicating that you know other exercises raise PSA. Sexual activity okay. raises PSA. I mean, if you had intercourse okay. the morning before you got your blood draw, I would expect a rise in PSA from that. Because I'm, I'm that... pretty careful about that. So, <laughs> All right. I have I have one other question. Okay. Say say the ladies on the. the they come back and they think that there's, it's, it's going to be up in the seven or higher range of the Gleason score. Uh-huh. How does how does one go about getting introduced to like a, a cyber knife experts or what, are, what 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 are your thoughts along those lines? Or am I just too old? No, well, that's why you heard the sigh. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I. Uh, I would I would treat you the same way I would treat a young man in his 50s or 60s personally. But I don't believe in ageism in medicine. Uh you know this this thing of becoming a nihilist just because a person has lived a while uh irritates the hell out of me. <laughs> so and I tend to say unkind things to doctors that do that to my patients. <laughs> so um, the, the good news is I've reached a point in my career and in my personal life, I don't give a damn if they're unhappy or not. <laughs> so, you know, um, yeah, you might can fi- prime that on that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes, because it's your life. <laughs> no. Yeah. We, we'll, we will help you to find an appropriate person if it turns out that you have a high Gleason. But the biggest thing is the genome. If they can actually do that biopsy, get a piece of the the lesion, and the genetics on that lesion say you're at high risk, then we want to be aggressive. We don't want to sit and watch it. Uh, But we need that first. The, the the thing that makes me less a little less concerned is you're telling me that it sounds like you've had probably repeated prostatitis for some time, and those oh, things yes. that those things that we're seeing on the MRI are more likely simply to be scar tissue and inflammatory nodules from that repeated episodes of prostatitis, and so when they biopsy them, they're probably not going to come back cancer. That's my guesstimate. Mm. Well, I hope you're right. I hope I'm right too. Yeah, <laughs> so. I really do. So you you you're you're thinking I could go ahead and just really cut down my my I'd testosterone cut, in. Yeah, I don't I'd, have I'd to cut, stop it. I'd, yeah, I'd cut the. I mean, if it were me personally, balancing the benefits of the testosterone against the the risks, I, what I suspect are relatively low risks of a high grade tumor. Um, if it were my prostate, I'd say I'd still want to keep most of my testosterone. I wouldn't drop okay. it below about 100 to 125 as a free testosterone. Okay. Well, I'm running a little bit higher than that right now, so this will make my longevity person in Tacoma a lot happier. All right. 
<laughs> okay, well, I hope I've helped. You did. He calmed me down a tad bit, so. All right. Hopefully, I won't be calling you in in, in June and asking, "Hey, uh, do well, you remember but if, when?" <laughs> if you if you need to call me, all right. That's what we're here okay. for. All right. Okay, take care. We'll thank thank you very much. Good day, uh, everybody. Bye bye. All right. Thank you so much for your call, Bill. We have several calls on the line, and we have room for yours as well at eight hundred four six five eight seven seventy. We're going to talk eyes in just a moment after we take this quick break. Um, issues in a left eye, cataract, and anesthesia during a lens implant. We're going to talk about all those things with Dr. Michael Gilbert and Dr. Jerry Mixon in just a moment on Leading Edge Medicine. Stay right there. Leading Edge Medicine. Leading Edge Medicine. Don't believe the lie that you have to fall apart at the normal rate and see what your options really are at lmclinic.com. Stay tuned for more. Longevity Medical Clinic is happy to announce that Longevity Development, the business and marketing arm of Longevity Medical Clinic, has entered a strategic management relationship with Paramount Pharmacy. As a medical clinic, we cannot tell anyone where they have to go to fill their compounded prescriptions. We can only make suggestions. But for the last two years, we have referred our patients to Paramount Pharmacy for three key reasons. Excellent quality control excellent pricing, and excellent customer service. And now, due to our new management oversight and relationship, Longevity Development and Paramount are actually working together to better serve our patients. A team approach to better health care. It truly can make a difference. And now, to celebrate and to convince you that we truly feel we can better serve your health needs while saving you money, Paramount has agreed to make an offer to all new patients willing to give Paramount a try. On your first prescription only, Paramount is offering you a 90-day supply for their 30-day cost. That's right, a 90-day prescription for the 30-day cost. All you need to do is call Paramount at 425-251-1660. It's as simple as that. Call 425-251-1660. I went to the Linwood office and I must tell you, your staff is so amazing. At, at Longevity, they talk to you. They, they make you understand what's going on and they give you the numbers so you have a starting point. And that's what I love about coming to you guys. You know I can be found. Sit home all alone. If you can't come around, at least please tell the phone. Don't be cruel to who hard is true. Welcome back. It's Leading Edge Medicine. Dr. Jerry Mixon here in the studio taking your calls. Thank you for your patience today. We also have Dr. Michael Gilbert from Northwest Vision Institute with your eye questions, which is what we're going to do right now with DJ calling in from Tequila. Good morning, DJ. Hi, DJ. Hello, DJ. Good morning. I, I've got a problem. I'm a uh, 82-year-old, I guess is, this is a night, morning for 82-year-olds, but I've got an eye, right eye problem when I, I'm extremely myopic, uh, about minus 10 or so with, with a fair amount of astigmatism. And I've been 
watching my Amsler grid test, but it's uh, <laughs> lately it's shown some distortion. And I noticed when I look at a vertical pole, maybe 20 feet away, uh, closing my left eye and just looking at my right eye, I can I can get a little bump on that pole, which I raise my chin up and down, and the bump will move on the pole. Uh, it's it's actually distorted to the left a little bit. And uh, I've had a diagnosis of, of macular degeneration a couple years ago and been taking the ARIDS uh, formula, the, the xanthine and, and lutein. One I got from Dr. Gilbert's office, and then lately I've been buying the ARIDS. But I'm a little bit concerned about this distortion I see in my right eye in the last week and a half. Um, you're rightfully uh, concerned, and uh, we gave you the Amsler grid and told you if you notice any such distortion that you should give us a call, come in and be seen, because oftentimes that's treatable. And the longer you wait, uh, the more we have to treat, and the, it can influence the, uh, the recovery of vision. Uh, but I can call on um, a consult here uh, to my left who has some experience with this as well. Yes? Yes, Dr. Gilbert, and it sounds like it's <laughs> it was something similar that I had in my yes, left exactly. eye. Yes, uh, exactly. Neovascularization. Nice work. Of my left eye, which was the, the new blood vessels that were That's forming right. in the back of my eye, and it caused a lot of distortion in my left eye. And so I do this quite often during the day just to see and make sure. Checking on straight lines, yes, right? Yes, I'm looking at straight lines, and if I don't, I know who to call. I call the doctor. Because fortunately, if it is neovascularization, which it commonly is, um, there are amazing medications um, that have not been around the entirety of my practice lifetime. It's, uh, it is a miracle drug uh, that causes those blood vessels to shrink away. Uh, and and you went from having that little distortion to yes. back toward normal. Yeah, we're talking half of heads were That's missing. Right. And yeah. it was interesting, but not. And good. so people who have high nearsightedness are at risk for that neovascularization, even apart from the macular degeneration issue. Both of those, the macular degeneration. Uh, risk of the chariot and also the high nearsightedness, both of those separately can put you at risk for that same neovascularization. It's a weakening of those of the vasculature that causes leakage, and the leakage, of course, is destructive to that delicate uh, vision tissue. So that's something to get checked out uh, right away. Um, and um, I'd be glad to do that. Uh, or Dr. Michael is our retina specialist. If it requires treatment, he'd be the one that's doing it. Well, I've, I've got an appointment with the VA ophthalmology clinic next ah, week, but uh, okay. uh, you guys did a great job on me, but unfortunately, I I don't have the means to continue with what I'd like to do, so I thought, well, we'll see what the VA does, but uh, this this ARIDS treatment or this lutein exactly has been really helpful the last year and a half, but this Good. has come up a couple of weeks and I, uh, I appreciate getting a second opinion. <laughs> the same <laughs> the same research that revealed the AREDS uh, collection of vitamins and AREDS, AREDS stands for age-related eye disease. It was a very large um, study done by the NIH, although not 
not 300,000 um, here in the U.S. Uh, uh, studies involving um, uh, thousands, so it was over a thousand uh, seniors, and followed over 10 years and repeated. So it's a very powerful study that showed that certain vitamins taken in uh, in uh, specific doses had a statistical decrease in the likelihood of progressing uh, to macular degeneration. But that study was looked at a 10-year retrospective within the last uh, year or two, two years, um, and found also that patients who took uh, uh, fish oil, omega-3s, um, also had a, quite a part and um, in an additive way had a decrease in uh, macular degeneration. So fish oil Ooh. and the AREDS vitamins both uh, can have, uh, have a positive effect on preventing uh, progression to site-threatening components of macular degeneration. That's good to hear because I was hoping that you'd say something in the in the supplement that I could add to the the AREDS to see if that will do it. And a little fish oil would probably be a helpful thing. Uh, uh, Unfortunately, the study did not go so far as to helping us with optimal dosing. Uh, but something like 2,000 milligrams of EPA DHA is certainly a generous dose and would be well, probably beyond what the average was taking in that study. Good. Well, that's a big help. I appreciate uh, the answers, and I hope things will clear up. Do I have to worry about that maybe muffing my left eye, too? Because it's right now just in the right eye. Well, I don't think worry is the appropriate uh, strategy. I think monitoring carefully and responding to it should you happen to have a change. I wouldn't worry about it, but I'd be looking carefully. And uh, I think you're taking the right steps. Get seen soon and uh, presumably uh, treated. And if they don't give you the right answers or you need a second opinion, we'd be glad to help. All right, DJ, is that helpful? All right. Take care, sir. Thank you for the call. Wonderful. Both doctors and the uh, other doctor. Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> oh, I just like saying the word neovascularization. Nice. Boy, it's nice. now rolling off just yeah. like this. There we go. Pretty soon I can say D-A-N-D-E-P-E-N-D-E-R-T-O-S-T-E-R-O-N. Okay. We'll nice. Keep working well, on that one. A little more words on Yeah, I'm working on that. I like the big words. Let's take it. There we go. I even wrote it down. Super that's not a problem. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's head to Seattle. Gary is on the line. Gary, you had a question about cataract surgery for the doctor. Hi, Gary. Yes, I sure did. It's kind of a two-part question. And the first part Go. might require both the doctors. So it's uh, starting with wow. Dr. Gilbert. I'm a person that has uh, known medical reactions to certain anesthetic compounds. Uh, okay. The primary one being lidocaine. Uh, I've needed cataract surgery for many months and experienced a lot of delays, but um, I've talked to most of the private cataract surgery centers around, and most all of them either dissuade me or decline me from getting treatment there because they have legal concerns and because they have limited access to compounds that don't have lidocaine. And so one of the referrals eventually led me to a very excellent ophthalmologist in Bellevue who had experience with this, and he agreed to take my case and was going to do it at Overlake using the catalyst laser there. And he said, no problem, we can do it without having to use general anesthesia. We can get you numb with alternate compounds. I experienced some delays after that because the IOL he recommended for me wasn't available 
And so there was a waiting list to get that. And during the long wait, that wonderful surgeon retired. And then his practice got absorbed by a different practice. And uh, he was replaced by a, a less experienced person. And now they're kind of in a quandary about whether they can proceed with me or not. And uh, that center is even moving away from using the hospital setting for cataract surgeries to a, another private location. So the bottom line is I'm having great difficulty now in locating a successor who would be able to give me an alternate form of anesthetic compound and do the cataract surgery. And um, I was wondering what you would recommend for how to locate such an expert. Uh, I, I don't see. Well, first of all, what was the reaction to lidocaine? Uh, the, to injected lidocaine, either with or without epinephrine, uh, I started to have anaphylactic type reaction in it. Okay. In two cases, it went to you know full unconsciousness. The third case was not uh, lidocaine, but it was it was a, a preparacaine drop that was used by an optometrist. And it started giving me the shock-type reaction, but he quickly flushed it out with saline, and it reversed right away. Just I, putting one, way, dro one drop of preparacaine in your eye caused that? Uh, several drops, but once it got into my sinuses, it took a few minutes. As it migrated into the sinuses, it started causing it. But interestingly, the... Uh, the alternative that's been used on me to lidocaine in uh, periodontal surgery was carbocaine, and I tolerated that very well. Um, I suspect we can we can find something that can be done. Uh, lidocaine is really not necessary, uh, easily done without that. We do uh, preparacaine drops in, in the clinic all the time. I've never seen anyone who had um, a serious reaction to it. So I'm a little suspicious of that, but it's certainly possible. Um, would, uh, would you recommend then that I would be tested somehow before going forward to make sure it's compatible? Uh, I think so, exactly, and uh, and I suspect carbocaine can do it. We're generally, um, the topical anesthetic, we just find a topical anesthetic that makes you uh, that you can tolerate, and most likely I can do cataract surgery using that without uh, without any lidocaine. The amount of lidocaine we use um, is not it, it isn't injected into the vasculature in any way. We just bathe the eye in it and wash it off. So the exposure is brief and you know and absolutely minimal, and none of it. Uh, I mean, the amount of absorption has to be uh, infinitesimally small. Uh, but we can switch to carbocaine. Uh, that can't be can't be difficult. Um, so I, d I don't really see a problem. But I think okay. uh, doing some testing uh, with the preparacaine, for instance, uh, just to see uh, if uh, if there's any problem uh, that that recurs and just reassure ourselves that uh, whether carbocaine or preparacaine or what the alternative to lidocaine might be. But I don't see a problem doing that in uh, our ASC. All right. You're saying at your facility. Okay. Is that helpful, Gary? Did you have another question? Uh, yeah, I had a second part to that. I can wait. Okay. Break. Yeah, yeah, we have to take a break. We'll take our break. And Gary, we'll be back. you hang on the line. We'll be back with more Leading Edge Medicine with Dr. Jerry Mixon and Dr. Michael Gilbert from Northwest Vision Institute. Stay right there.
Yeah.